Welcome to Vino Week, episode 22, brought to you by Vino 101. All right, well, welcome to Vino Week, I'm Bill. Hey, everybody, I'm Al. Glad you're here to uh, hear us prattle on about the wine business and what's going on in the wine world. Yeah, so we were talking just before the cast, we have to get back to our uh, talking about actual wine that we taste. Yes. So, so stay tuned. That will be happening. It's coming. It's not like we're not drinking wine. <laughs> That's true. We're definitely doing that. That's true. Along with a few beers here and there, too. Yes, yes. Um, I'm an equal opportunity drinker. Um, so, so uh, well, was it, this is actually a nice segue into sort of the price, wine pricing. Yeah. Well, as I was telling you earlier, um, I was out doing my uh, weekly weekly wine buy, and I was at a wine store, and uh, they had a wine spectator at the counter. And I was telling you, I never really buy wine spectators unless I'm traveling. So, you know, I might travel like three, four, maybe five times a year via air. So, that's uh, I don't really travel a lot. So, consequently, I don't read the wine spectator very much. But I did pick one up. And uh, I don't know about you, I, I made a conscious effort when I was shopping the other day because, you know, you can get stale and you can start just drinking the same thing over and over again. Yeah, it's true. What, you, can. you can. Yeah, you find what you like. So I made a conscious effort when I was in the store to buy wines that I had no reference point for. I mean, zero reference point. Right. So um, I ended up with a, a, a pretty good bag of wines. Um, and I tried one last night. Actually, it was pretty good. Um, I tried a common Carmenere from uh, Chile and uh, boy it was uh, I'm glad I stepped out of so- stepped outside of my uh, regular roles in the wine store well, that's good but getting back to uh, the prices um, Blake gray is uh, predicting that uh, Napa wine prices are gonna continue to go up continue to rise he sees no reason why they won't and I agree. I think the prices are going to keep rising. I don't know what the end result's going to be with them rising, but uh, we had a short harvest or a shorter harvest, I guess, this year, uh, meaning the yield was down uh, since the, the previous few years. We had 11 where um, it was kind of a compromised vintage, and then after that, 12, 13, and 14 were pretty good-sized vintages. So there's a lot of wine in tanks. So I guess the growers, or not the growers, but uh, the winemakers are pretty happy with 2015. Uh, less wine to spread around, around means they can raise the prices. So I was looking in the wine spectator and then looking at some of these prices of some of these wines. And my gosh, I had, I didn't realize there were so many top wines at such high prices. And uh, you can easily... I mean, very easily spent upwards of $75 to $100 for a bottle of Cabernet. It's not hard to do coming from Napa. Yeah. They, uh, so I don't know if it was this article or the Connoisseur, uh, Connoisseur's Guide to Wine. We're talking about sort of that the high price. <clears throat> but I think that one of them made the point that, you know, in other – in regions that are – have long been famous for wine. Bordeaux comes to mind immediately. You know they have the those, um, you know the wines that a trophy wine. Yes, is what somebody called it. So 
And, you know, Napa's, you know, sort of on the map and has been for quite a while. You know, the famous bottle shock story in the 70s when the Napa wines were able to compete in a blind taste test in France. And so, yeah, you know, there's been decades of winemaking, probably close to a century now in that area um, or longer. Uh, so, you know, they're starting to, you know, really produce these awesome wines and there are trophy wines out there, right? I mean, you know, Opus One was sort of created to become a trophy wine from its inception, right? Yeah, it's one of the first ones, you know, the, you know back in the 80s, yes. You think of Screaming Eagle and, you know, you start run down a list now, right? So, you know, not so surprising. And then, you know, supply and demand happens here. We have a shorter harvest. The wines are getting, um, there's scarcity. So, you know, or at least the ability to perceive scarcity. So, you know, the prices are going up. What I thought was most interesting about the wine searcher article is that sales of $9 uh, bottles uh, or less expensive uh, or bottles that are priced $9 or less are actually declining where bottles priced $15 and higher are actually rising. That's interesting. And I think that all goes to speak to the, econ- the, the economy. Well, yes, that. And I think, you know, a lot of the $9 wine or the, or the grapes for the $9 wine, I think a lot of that land is disappearing. Yeah, that's probably true. And that's being planted over to other things. That's probably true. That's probably true. Plus, you know, Americans are drinking more wine, so their palates are becoming um, educated, and they're like, wow, you know, six $6, you know, or I doubled it, you know, I doubled up the price, so I'm paying $20, not 10 or eight, you know, whatever, 18. You can buy a really nice bottle of wine in the twenties. Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's pretty easy to do, especially if you look uh, other than say, you know. And I'm not trying to blast Napa, California, or Napa Valley. I mean, they make great product there, but I mean, let's let's face it. If you if you've got you know twenty five dollars and you want a nice bottle of wine, you're going to get more bang for your buck looking elsewhere. Right, and and not that you know people are you know spending that money every day, but it's really, um, I mean, just think about it, right? A $25 bottle of wine equates to $50 plus in a restaurant. Right. So, you know, or higher. So you're, you know, that's, yeah, you're getting a really nice bottle of wine and it doesn't take, there's so many tools to help you now kind of tease this stuff out. Um, you know, a novice person who's brand new into this is still going to have to do some work to kind of figure out. Well, first thing you have to figure out what you like. That's the first step, yeah. You know, you got to figure out what you like, and then you can go find some really awesome wines. And there are deals to be had in Napa. You know, I know oh, sure. I, you know, sure. I I know that there are you know there are the there are the brand names, the trophy wines, but there are other winemakers, smaller winemakers, still making wine in Napa who produce some pretty dynamite wine. Um, yeah, by and large, we're talking about places that you know these these wines that are two hundred, three hundred dollars a bottle. You know, we're talking. They might have made just a couple hundred cases. It's not very much wine. Yeah. So that's. So in ter- Go ahead. Sorry. Now you go ahead. I'm stumbling over here. No, I'm looking, I was actually I'm still gonna, looking at some of these prices. <laughs> yeah. I'm leaping through the book here. There's a couple of them. We got three hundred, four hundred. I mean, who's I, who's buying these wines? <laughs> who's yeah. buying these wines? <laughs> I don't. 
I don't know. I like wine too much to spend three hundred dollars a bottle for each one. Yeah, I don't. I maybe I, I don't like it enough. I don't know. I mean, does a three hundred really does a three hundred dollar bottle of wine? Well, a lot of it is, you know, a lot. A lot of it is is marketing, and it obviously doesn't cost three hundred dollars to make a bottle of wine. But uh, you know, it's there's that prist. There's that prestige that comes along with that that high price tag. Yeah, I was going to say that's a lot of what it's like, right? I mean, it's yeah. you know, you know, that's a five hundred dollar bottle of wine that you're putting on the company bill. Yeah, you know, when you're trying to impress clients out at some dinner. Exactly, which, which happens, right? I mean, that happens. Yeah, yeah well said. You know, yeah, all the time. Happen. Or people who have a lot of money who just want to, and there are collectors out there. You know, they want they want a particular bottle from a particular vintner and maybe even a particular vintage in their collection. Yeah. And I mean, what? and these places, I, I, I don't know for a fact, but I would imagine those higher price bottles are not making a ton of that particular wine. No, no. They, they, well, they can't. Yeah, I mean, you know I mean, because there's not that much of a demand for it. For well, one. one and two, it's probably some single, you know, it's some single vine- uh, uh, vineyard, estate, you know, and just not a lot of, you know, a barrel or two. So they can, you know, sure, you can price it at that, you know, at three hundred bottle. Yeah, I feel like we're moving into that one percent conversation. Well, little- it, it kind of feels that way, right? Yeah, I, but there are there are people who save their money who want to have that trophy wine. I mean, it's but they're probably the exception to the rule. A lot of that. Well, when's when's the last time you spent one hundred and fifty dollars for a bottle of wine? Not in a restaurant. Well, I was going to say in a, in a restaurant it was probably when my wife and I got engaged. So that was a while ago. Um, I don't think I've ever bought a hundred. I might have bought a bottle of champagne that was. Over a hundred bucks, maybe. Yeah. So, so these are, you know, these are rare circumstances, and I'm, I could see you, like you say, doing that maybe for champagne, um, and just because. But uh, it's it's out of the norm. It's right. definitely out of the norm. And it's there. Uh, the other thing is uh, often, you know. So we we I, I still remember the wine that we got when we uh, we had when we were engaged. I didn't understand it. Yeah. It was a Bordeaux. It didn't really taste that good to us. We had no idea what was going on. I think now if I taste it, I have a much different opinion. But sure. And quite frankly, the 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 bottles, you know, we kind of know what we like. So you know, you go out and find the wine that you like. That's you know not. It's not going to break your bank. It's going to be like awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, I, I think a lot of it is relative. I mean, the point being is. And I think the overarching point is you can spend, you know, I mean, if you're looking for some wines that um, have some good impact, say a lot, you know, and and maybe can move you in a spiritual way, you can find those wines in the 25, I would say even in the the 20 to $50 range. There's so many of them out there that fit that bill. You don't have to spend $250. You know, to, to to get that experience. I agree. Um, so, I, I mean, I I strongly believe that, and I live that, and I know that because you see them, you see them around, I taste them all the time. So, uh, yeah. 
That's, uh, you know, I went, uh, I went to the top 100 global wine tasting in San Francisco. Yeah. We've got a, we've got a write up on that from Kelly Mitchell. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I went, I went to that and if, you know, I've never been to it and ha- have you been to it before? No, no, I haven't been to it. Yeah. And I don't know, um, what I've been doing, but I think this is like the 12th time they've had it. But I've I've missed out. This yeah, this is the twelfth annual one, and it was held at the uh, Metreon. Well, it's not cheap. It's not. It's not a. It's not a tasting that's. I mean, even by tasting standards, um, uh, it's not cheap to get in. No, it's not. It was. Um, I think it was a hundred and twenty-five bucks. Right. To get in. Right. I'm trying to forget. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, but. But you were impressed. Right? I say, as far as tastings, as far as um, um, tastings go, and, and you know, I don't usually use superlatives, but this is probably the best wine tasting I've been to in a long while. And the reason why is because of the food that was there. Yeah, I'll reach you something from the article. Um, this year, including places like Atlas Social, Benjamin Cooper, and Gaspar Brasserie, add to that long-standing purveyors like Hog Island Oysters, which shucks oysters right next to sparkling wine all night long. Yeah, I so probably... That, you know, that's like... You could probably sit there and drink $700 worth of uh, sparkling wine and oysters. Yeah, I don't I don't know if they were keeping tabs or if there was video there, but I had at least... I had a lot of oysters. Let me put it that way. I'm an oyster fan. Well, they were, but I mean, they were fantastic. Yeah, I mean it's uh, so, so. So they had them. They had the oysters lined up appropriately with um, just to the left of the oyster bar. They had um, uh, some uh, some gruners and uh, some Sauvignon Blanc from um, some concrete raised Sauvignon Blanc from Argentina. Uh, they had, uh, and then in the, they had two oyster bars, not just one, but two. Fabulous. And then the, the, the first oyster bars you just mentioned, they had just bubbly all around it. So yeah. it's a good, it's a good combination. But the thing that made it really what was the food, I mean, it's just the variety of the food. So they had a bunch of, uh, different purveyors and they had the, the trays and the platters coming around. So you were able to actually try different wines with different types of foods, that which was very cool, which, which makes was a big deal. So I found a bunch of uh, I got to try a, and I, I did a, a different thing this time. I, I had a, a kind of a format of what I wanted to do, but I wanted to basically try things that I had never tried before, say, from other countries. So I ended up tasting some really interesting things like um, some Blaufrankisch uh from Austria and, you know, uh, Sauvignons and all kinds of just, just, uh, weird stuff. And I found some really good wines there, but it's interesting of all my favorites that I found there, very few of them were, uh, most of them were all in line and very few of them were over 50, $60 a bottle. So just kind of blaze our point that we we're talking about before. There's a lot of great wines. The, the process for how they figure out which wines make the top 100, it's pretty involved, and uh, you should read the article. But I encourage anyone, if you're in the area this time of year, um, next year in San Francisco, uh, that's a event you should not miss. You know, so if you're coming to travel out here to do tourism uh, for wine, 
you know, this is a great thing to tack on to your visits to Napa, Sonoma, or other wine regions, you know, uh, San Luis Obispo down in Paso Robles, you know, which isn't actually that far away from here. Um, Beautiful area. Yeah, and you could, you know, you could, you could actually hit all of that in a week trip. It would be a packed week. Um, not recommending that, but you could certainly, you could certainly pack it all in. The other thing is, if you are new to wine and and starting to learn those of those tasting events, and they do them locally too. Obviously, not on the scale like this is, but. Highly recommend going to a tasting event, spending the money. It is an awesome way to try a bunch of different wine and really, it, it, you know, uh, it, it's just a great way to learn. And you can learn rapidly because there's so much variety there. Yeah, unfortunately, there's no, you can't like take, a, you can't take a class where you get. Um, yeah, nobody's sub- guiding sublim- you. What's that? Nobody's guiding you. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like self-study. I mean, there are tasting notes often in, uh, I don't know, they have a program uh, for this thing? Uh, just a program where the placement was. And actually, there was a uh, magazine. They, they had a magazine that had all the wines and did a quick profile on each producer. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's good. And, I, you know, if you like something, too, you can always ask people or just listen to conversations. People will be talking about it. Yeah, I was... Uh... <laughs> Just you, you know, the more you the more you learn about wine, the more you realize what you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that true with everything? No. So, so I was. It's called getting was, old in life. I was standing at the table um, listening to this guy uh, Jawbone with uh, Ernst Lawson, and uh, he had on his uh, characteristic. Uh, you always see photos of him in wine magazines. He's got on the uh, the orange pants. <laughs> The orange denim pants and uh, his—I uh, I, I forget the top—but something. But he always seems like that's his—that's what he wears. That's he lives in a great place. He lives in a <laughs> so, great place. So he's—he's he's he's talking. And, uh, so I, I try to add something to the conversation. So they got this video that's showing the vineyards. So I say to him, I go, or the, the guy that's pouring—they were—they were pouring a, a spade laser out of a friggin' like a double magnum or something the bottle was huge i got a picture of it and um so i asked the guy I said, hey uh you know what, what do you guys do when it's raining i mean how do you how do you handle the erosion you know with uh you know the the soil going down the hill. they looked at me like <laughs> who is this guy <laughs> what are you asking me for <laughs> and they both go they both go uh well there's there's no erosion it's it's all it's all stone <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's slate, man. There's no erosion. Okay. <laughs> really funny. It was, a, it was a funny, funny moment. Uh, see, being from Northern California, you should have quickly quit back. Is that hydro, dude? Wow. <laughs> but anyway, they're still harvesting over there. You know, we've been done over here for, what, two, three weeks now. They're, they're, they're in the middle of harvest. So That's, that's great stuff. Very funny, very funny. Hey, speaking of uh, um, how to buy wine, I I saw you put an article in the feed here, and this is something you've said before, and there's an article here now, and it was in the Washington Post, about getting to know the importers. Oh, yeah. Um, And and so, you know, they they start out talking about Kermit Lynch, who, you know, became a, a, a national... A U.S. national name in wine, 
by uh, importing, and then there's other importers that they actually list. This is a good article to kind of uh, explain. It will give you a glimpse of why the that uh, why the advice of of learning if you like a particular importer's wine, if you go in and find a wine you haven't seen before, it will actually work to your advantage to kind of pick it up because it's likely you'll like it. Um, and they talk about uh, Agostini um, Franc Agostini in Promex wines in Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like he's got uh, offices on the East Coast in Annapolis, Maryland, and in Fairfax, Virginia. But it just kind of, it's an interview with him towards the end and, and explaining sort of his philosophy about what he's looking for, how he adds wine to his list. And it's pretty rigorous. And he's talking about getting to know a winery for three to five years before he adds them uh, to their list. So you can, yes. you, you can think of, of these of these types of wine importers as, you know, there's a ton of wine out there. So they're like editors in a newspaper. They're taking all the information they've got and they're cut, they're distilling it down to uh, what's important, giving their, giving their frame, right. Giving their particular frame. Mm -hmm. So it's a really good way to buy wine, especially wine that's imported. I mean, you, you find, I mean, there's wines, there's vintages that I, I know nothing about a particular grape, but if I, to your point, if I see an uh, importer that I like, it's worth taking the risk, especially if it's a price point I'm at. Oh yeah, I do that. I, I, I think I just unconsciously do that now. I'll look at, I look at a label because that's what's going to draw you in, you know, and read the village or wherever it's from, the country, and then I instinctively flip the bottle around <laughs> and see who the importer yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and there are, there are, you know, they're calling out nationally known importers in this article, but there are other importers who are local. Um, I mean, they're local to us, but there are other importers who might be smaller that you might want to get to know. Um, the other thing is if you go to your wine shop and you talk to the, the owner or the buyer of the wine shop, they might have, and there's wines that you like, they might have an importer that they're getting them from. So you can kind of hook that knowledge up to your purchase arsenal. Yeah, I, I walked up to uh, <laughs> that tasting to go back to that. I walked up to um, there's a guy that works for Emson. His name's Enzo. Enzo, uh, I forget his last name. Yeah, but his name's Enzo. Enzo Ferrari. <laughs> no, not that Ferrari. Enzo. Okay, just check it. So I walk up to him and he's at he's at a um, a table with uh, a bunch of uh, Barolos from a from a, a a winery that I hadn't heard of and. Uh, I walked up and the first thing I said, ah, Enzo, I can always count on you being where the good wine is. <laughs> he breaks out this big smile. Let me pour you some. Let me, that's good stuff. So, but you know, they always, uh, he's turned me on to some, some really, um, high end, um, good value Italian wines and they import a lot of them, but the importers, like I said, it's, it's definitely a nice little way to uh, figure out what's in a bottle without having to taste it. Perfect. Perfect. So, uh, so speaking of buying things, um, how about uh, Chanel's purchase? Yeah, Chanel's going big time. Uh, is this Chanel the, number five? Yeah, is this their first uh, winery? I, I don't know that. I don't know if it's their first or not, but. Um, uh, they bought in big because this is, I think it's what, over 1,500 acres? 
Yeah. And 100,000 cases a year. Yeah. Good. 50, 52 acres in Rutherford and 1,500 total in Napa Valley. Um, more than it looks like. I just like stuck on this oh, one. Know, 500 acres of the vi- of vineyards. I, I think the total property. So Robert Scully is the guy that started St. Supre, it looks like, in 74. Um, and then they just sold it. But, it, you know, 100,000 cases is nothing to sneeze at, but, you know. Well, the Scallies are, it's a French family to begin with. So it's interesting that they sold it to another French firm. Yeah. So. And, you uh, know, uh, you know, uh, Moet, Hennessy, Louis Vuitton, LV, LVMH, you know, has obviously been in the, in the alcohol business, right? Yep. For a long time. Yeah, they're uh and the luxury, luxury goods. Yeah, they are. They very much. They very much are a luxury goods business, and they think of themselves that way. I have a, uh, a colleague of mine that actually does business with them, and they're an interesting company to work with. They're, they're yeah. very much. Uh, they very much think in that context. Um, so this will be a good. Uh, it's a good location for one thing. It's smack dab right in the middle of Napa Valley. It's in Rutherford. Yeah, it's in a. It's in a cool spot. So, I mean, it's right on the main drag. So, and that's just, a, this is just more, you know, so whatever, <laughs> triple the price of Saint Supre. <laughs> yes. It's, Saint I don't think we're going to be seeing Saint Supre and Trader Joe's anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. Just look for Those that. days are over. Look for no the, more uh, dollar high, no yeah. more dollar high branch Cabernet yeah. for yeah, $13. Look, look for the, look for the <laughs> Chanel, look for the Chanel <laughs> touch. Yeah, the touch is coming. That's for sure. So, uh, uh, also, we've got we had another big um, a big sale. Well, we had a big sale with an interesting um, non-sale. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. And I think the non-sale is the most interesting part because there's nothing new about um, companies switching brands. I think I could do that better. You know, it's almost like they're trading baseball cards. Yeah. You know, so uh, Treasury. Uh, picked up uh, a bunch of stuff from uh, uh, Diageo, yeah. and they bought their Sterling, Beaulieu, and Blossom Hill brands, and those are very large concerns. A lot of wine coming out of those places, so uh, they're trying to bolster their wine portfolio. And uh, well, Diageo is trying to get rid of their wine. <laughs> they don't want any more wine. They're trying to get out of the wine business. Yeah, it's really. It's kind of, yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting why Shalone didn't sell. It's a, and the article really doesn't sort of say why. Well, here's here's my take on it. Here's what I think happened. Shalone, Shalone burst on the scene way back in. The, I want to say, I want to say back in like the early seven, the mid seventies, and it was a guy that found a piece of land up in the hills. It's kind of out there, like right around where Hollister is kind of, you know, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And he started planting uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay up there. And what he found was he found this land with a bunch of limestone and he said, hell, this should be a good place to grow some grapes. And there wasn't even any water up there. And uh, they had to truck water up to live and to keep the vines alive and all of that stuff. And it started out and he caught on. You know, kind of a small grower making some 
really fantastic wines. Well, eventually he had to sell it and he sold it and it went from hand to hand from different companies. Well, whenever a bigger company buys it, they're buying the brand and they want to grow the brand and make more wine. And that's what they did. But I think what caught these guys, what they got caught in was, I believe they got caught in the whiplash of global warming because that area, it's not close enough to the water and it's gotten warmer and warmer over the years. And the wines that I've had from Shalone of late, maybe I think the last one I had was maybe like a year ago. They seem kind of, they don't have the same intensity and they seem a little bit, they just seem kind of, kind of plain for, for lack of a better word. And I think what's happened is the wines just, they're okay, but they just, they, they went, they overproduce now. And that area is too warm to make a wine that's, that's truly interesting. And I think that's what's going on now. Uh, Treasury said that they have enough Chardonnay in their portfolio, so they're not. That's why they weren't interested in it. But if you read between the lines, I think that's what it. I think that's what was going on because you can never have too much Chardonnay. It's the number one selling white wine in the world. <laughs> so, you know, why wouldn't they want more Chardonnay in their portfolio? So I just think that I think the brand is dying, for lack of a better word. Huh. That's that's my take on it. Well, somebody could be smart and just let that thing go down a little bit more and pick it up and rebrand it. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's that's the deal. Interesting. That's the deal on uh, that's the deal on that. Uh, well, where should we go now, Bill? We all right. We got time for a couple, uh, one more topic. So let's go to the meme of thievery. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yes. Your 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 favorite topic. It's it's just. Okay, so the, and and, you, and and the reason is is there there you 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 posted an article about these these people in Portland stealing winemaking equipment and it's all on video. They're yeah. hauling barrels out of a winery at night. I mean, it's and then they're anyway trying to sell them down the road. It is the it's baffling to me. And when yeah. I saw that when I saw that I'm like somebody's stealing that because. There's some insurance scam going on with a winery. That was my first thought. It's just so blazing. <laughs> it's just nuts. I mean, they're literally carrying. They have these guys on video carrying barrels. Bear, and you know, barrels are big, so you have to have like a large truck. You have to have like a really big truck to haul them off. You know, they have a van. It's just, <laughs> it's just funny. And then there's another article. About from an eater, another post in eater about <laughs> whose tagline is "Quit guard the Petraeus." Um, no, it's it's not a guy. They have his name, twenty-five-year-old Scott DeLuca. <laughs> they have the guy's name, and he but he's been doing that. He's the, first of all, they haven't caught him, and he's been up and down the East Coast stealing. These bottles of wine, it's supposedly forty eight hundred dollars, forty eight hundred dollars worth of wine. Yeah, I mean, and look, I mean, the guy knows what he wants. I mean, he's he's like stealing Chateau Petrus, <laughs> so he he definitely knows Petrus. which bottles to get. I just I, don't know what motivates him. <laughs> I, I just it, it's yeah. he's, he, all, he's he's all on video, man. So I mean, there's an APB out. 
I mean, we know his name and everybody else does. So that's I just, it, it's just, yeah, it's a head scratcher. How does he go back to work the next day? Hey, he's, Hey, you know, um, Hey Scott, <laughs> I was just reading the paper the other day. A policeman here to talk to you. That's pretty weird. I, I think the, I think the whole, there's a whole thing about, uh, where is this in Connecticut? He made arrangements to meet a manager of a hotel, say he was planning, or a restaurant, a hotel restaurant, say he was planning a formal dinner party. And then he just like went into their wine room and stole the, stole the wine. I know it's very, I mean. Like how does that, I it's just. Pretty elaborate plan to get in. I, I'm mind-boggling. Hey, I'm going to spend a whole bunch of money here. Oh, excuse me. I got to go. Oh, okay. Yeah, no problem. Let me see your, let me see your, let me see the the other list. <laughs> So that's pretty awesome, man. He's uh, he's on video. It's pretty clear. We know who he is. So we'll just wait to see, you know, what motivated him to do this. I just and I mean seriously, if you're gonna be a thief, really, forty eight hundred bucks is just. It doesn't seem doesn't seem worth it, does it? Uh, not in this day and age. Come on, man. Yeah. Shoot higher. Yeah, like learn how to be a hacker. It'll <laughs> be way more lucrative. Oh man. So yeah, that's there's always it seems like there's always something something nutty going on. That's that's pretty crazy. Yeah, with the videos and both of those with the video going and rolling. I, the whole thing clear shots of everyone's faces. Yeah, the whole thing in Portland is just like it's 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 like it's fake. We got to do a dumb wine criminals thing, stupid wine criminals. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to see if they get caught. That's the that's the best one. That's too funny. That is too funny. All right. Well, on that note, we should probably wrap it up. Um, yeah. Tell a friend about us. Uh, you can hit us up at Vino101net on Twitter, uh, info at Vino1, info at Vino101.net for email. Uh, you can always see our website at Vino101.net. What am I missing? Like us on Facebook. Tell a friend. I think you covered it all, Bill. Right on. Have a great week, Al. All right. Hey, YouTube, Bill. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Cheers. Cheers.